you know the movie Pleasantville? If not, it's okay. I haven't actually seen it, but I remember the trailer. Here's the gist, I think. A quiet little town trapped in the 1950s has an awakening of sorts. It's a difficult change, but the town is better for it. How do the residents of Pleasantville know change is happening? Their world starts coming to life. From black and white into glorious color. Welcome to The Yarn, a Backpack Media production. This season, we're looking at one book from all angles, Sunny Side Up by Jennifer and Matthew Holm. Colorist Lark Pian is responsible for bringing the book to life, from black and white to full color. I sat down with her in San Francisco, California, a city which was, at that very moment, in late June 2015, celebrating an historic change. So I'm here in San Francisco, and I am uh, here at the ALA annual conference. Who'd have guessed I would have been here when the Supreme Court made uh, same-sex marriage legal across the country. I've never been to the Pride Parade in San Francisco before, but it's jam-packed with people. It's a good day. Okay, my name is Lark Pian. And uh, I'm a cartoonist. I also do color work for um, friends and Jenny Holm <laughs> and Matt Holm are friends. So I'm working on their book, uh, Sunny Side Up, or rather I just finished the work for that. Okay. Yeah. Do you listen to podcasts ever? I, I listen to neuroscience podcasts. Oh, <laughs> I listen really? to science podcasts. Oh, wow. So I'm, I'm a little boring. And I listen to like, uh, like grumpy old men meditation podcasts. What is that like? They're, well, they're just, they just, they're like philosophy oh, sort wow. of uh, lessons or, you know, but uh, they're not, I don't know, everybody I've shared them with have like, just, they're like, Lark, those, the, those are just like, they make me fall asleep. I can't yeah. listen to them. So it's just, it's just me. <laughs> I was a Bay Area kid. I was born in San Francisco. And uh, my, my immediate family, we didn't live in San Francisco, but my grandparents and aunts and uncle, every, all the extended family did. So we visited pretty much every weekend. Um, and my mom would take us to the De Young and um, the zoo, let's see, where else? Uh, the Legion of Honor, all these, all these museums and sort of like um, places where kids could you know, experience things and they maybe burn off a little energy too, you know, like Golden Gate Park. Um, and every now and then the beach. But, um, so I would say that I had a lot of exposure to art and like animals when I was young. Animals as in like looking at animals. We had pets, but we we were not good, good pet people. Yeah. I, I don't think we knew how to take care of pets. Yeah. Um, how many siblings? I have, I had a, I have a younger sister and a younger brother. Um, we're each, Okay, my, I'm four years older than my brother, and my brother's four years older than my oh, sister. Oh, that's like me and my brother, four, so, four years apart. Yeah. yeah, I think my parents actually had some sort of college plan for us where they just, you know, they wanted to help each kid. They wanted each kid to go through college, and they wanted to be able to help us, but they, they didn't want to have, like, this, you know, like, traffic or this, you know, jam where all three of us were in school at the same time. That is some serious planning. So, uh, I don't That's know. Nice. I don't know if they planned. I, I, it's kind of a running joke because I'm not actually sure if they really planned it that yeah. way. But <laughs> <laughs> it 
And what did your parents do? Um, okay, so my dad uh, was an electrical engineer, and he worked on satellites. He designed satellites. And uh, that actually created an opportunity when I was about 12 years old. The family moved to Germany because so, the satellite launched, and he was part of a team that was in a joint contract with a, Germ with a German team. And so the Americans had built it, but the launch, I think, was from somewhere in Germany. And so it was monitored from Germany. And so we were moved for, the, we were moved for a year for that purpose. Oh, wow. And I went to German school, and it was a very different life. We, we lived in a hamlet. I mean, there was nothing around except for miniature ponies oh, wow. and trout in the river. Yeah. Um, it was the coldest winter in 20 years. The pipes froze over. The, our backyard was the Black Forest. I mean, we were really at the foot of the Schwarzwald. Yeah. And, um, so what did that feel like? I mean, that must have been... It was, it was probably one of the hardest experiences for me. I went to a German school but spoke no German. And I had gone from a school where kids were fighting in the hallways and getting pregnant to the same age group but chasing each other and stealing each other's lunchboxes. That, you know, culturally and, like, maturity-wise, it was different. Yeah. How old were you again when that? Twelve. Twelve, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that was for one year? It was actually for less than a year, but I, I, I like to say it was a year because it took, it took a while to kind of come back and reacclimate and catch up with school and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So. Um, and so. And my mom was a librarian, so those are the two. Oh, and she was. But she was a librarian later. Like she, so she, when we were growing up, she, she pretty much stayed home and raised the kids. She had jobs, but she, she quit them to, to raise us. And then, and then once we were all kind of out of the house, she, she became a librarian for uh, the Los Altos chapter, which is um, a little town near Stanford. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So like books were in the cards maybe a little bit of a book-loving family? My mom loves poetry, so I actually am, I received the name that I did, I think, because of my mom's love for poetry. Oh, really? Yeah. Was there a particular um, poet mm. or poem that you know of that it You know, from? not that I know of, but she, she read a lot of English poetry, and she also liked a lot of the, the American naturalists, so. It's a, I love your name. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, there's it's only great. one of me, really. Yeah. <laughs> That's got to be nice, right? It's um, you know, it's nice, but I don't really think of that it that way. In that, it just it's just always been that way. So yeah. I it's I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah it's I, just normal. It's just yeah. yeah. What your name is? So, so you're growing up and you're drawing as a kid. I did draw. I love to draw. I had uncles who were pretty artistic and had their own pursuits. So, you know, there were times where I would go into somebody's house and there would be a camera or there would be a painting that I'd have access to. Um, but I think in general, art was always considered like side entertainment or something um, as a hobby. And I actually did not really pursue anything that I was had a talent for. Um, until after I graduated from college. So when I was in college, I studied architecture because it was a blend of both sort of like um, uh, physics and math and, and like visual like design. Um, 
But I mean, in terms of like my lower education, I was probably better at writing. And I actually was like, not, I would love to draw, but I was not good at drawing. Like I don't recall any of my art teachers ever really encouraging me or like in a pool of kids, like being selected for, for anything in particular. But writing I did, I was, you know, like writing, I actually had like special classes just like a one-on-one -on -one session with a teacher. When so you were a high schooler? That or? was in high school. Okay. But, yeah, don't ask me to show you any writing now. I'm like really embarrassed <laughs> about it. <laughs> That's the way it goes, though. Anything <laughs> that you did when you were a teen or anything, you just cannot look at it, right? I'm glad that I did it then. I mean, that, that I'm not writing like that now, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, That's funny. But so, so I taught myself how to draw after college. You know, I, I like rediscovered comics through like a, a peer like through a small group of people including Derek Kirk Kim, Jason Shiga, uh Gene Yang. I mean all those guys are still in comics to a degree. My cousins who were about ten years older than I was, uh they collected Marvel comics. They had Spider Man and X Men and a bunch of other popular titles. And I read this was when I was about eight or nine. I started reading their X-Men collection, mm -hmm. and I got really sucked into that. You know, it was just yeah. cool. It was so cool. Was there a particular it's, artist drawing? I loved John Byrne. I was, John Byrne. Okay. I was, and I was very attracted to the art. You know, I have to say that was that was something that um, I think I was attuned to at an early age. Yeah. Like, I, I liked the style of of a particular penciler. So I always knew the names of the pencilers. I never knew the names of the writers, which is, you know, that happened later on in life. Yeah. But so, you know, I, I liked comics kind of growing up, but not a lot of people I knew liked comics. It was just something that I would do when I, what I'd go to read when I went to my cousin's house. Um, but then, let's see, high school and college happened, and there wasn't a lot of time for extracurricular things. Yeah. I actually really only took three extracurricular courses in the whole time that I was wow. in college. And the rest was architecture. Yeah, yeah. and you, don't, you just didn't sleep. I mean, we, we had keys to a studio, and we'd be working on our designs, like, all the time. Really? All the time. And it made, I made really good friends because of, of it. I mean, I have, like, a family of, yeah. you know, of people who... We, we've stayed in touch, you know, after all this time. I, I was really lucky. I got really great jobs with good firms, like renowned firms, you know. Um, I got out paid here. well. Out yeah. in California? Yeah. yeah. I mean, right out of school, too. I mean, I really just was, I, and it was lucky. I, I was not, like, exceptionally good at what I did. I think after the five-year mark, I really felt like I was not, um, at, at the time, I was... I think I was searching for something that was uh, not more, but I felt like there was a lot of a lot of work and a lot of energy, but not a lot of um, happiness. Like I looked into, I looked at my seniors, and they were all tired and haggard all the time, and they were all, you know, stressed out. And half of the words that came out of their mouth was swearing, yeah. you know? <laughs> because they were fighting with some contractor, or you have to, you have to you know you have to make the um you have to negotiate a lot of like money and i mean i'm talking about it in really basic terms but and i think they probably did feel a certain amount of accomplishment and satisfaction but at the time i couldn't see that 
you know. So, uh, so I took a I took a year off to go backpacking, and I went to like eleven countries through Southeast Asia and wow. Asia, and I did that in a year, which was really fast. <laughs> it was like moving every two days or so. Wow. Yeah. Were you drawing during that time? So I kept a sketchbook then, but I was drawing mostly buildings and sort of abstract designs, like like sculptures and other other things that just popped into my head, but like creative things. Um, and then when I came back, I kind of rediscovered comics, like in a more serious way. Like I, I was, I thought about it as something that I could maybe do. Um, and this is gonna sound, this is gonna make me ancient, but it was kind of before the internet. You yeah. know, it was before blogging really, and before. I mean, people still kind of sent each other postcards for reviews and such. Yeah. So it was at that point that I that I started thinking about like trying to get illustration jobs or and I was doing I was working in architecture at the same time so there was this overlap where I was still freelancing for another five years um, and then I but I would only work for maybe three to six months of the year save up a bunch of money and then spend the rest of the year trying to navigate through like convention season figuring out which shows to go to um, and basically trying to 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 write and draw stories, like to actually get those things out of my sketchbook and into like um, an actual pamphlet or or packaged product. Yeah. Um, what was the first thing that you were happy with, or that you felt like you could really share when you were trying to make comics? Mm, like, did you go? It through wasn't a the first. It wasn't the first comic I made. Yeah, yeah. actually, that I that I showed to Gene and the other friends that I had and they gave me really good feedback but it was definitely like not ready because nobody knew what was going they read it and they're like we don't really know what's going on here <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, but um, I would say a character named Longtail Kitty that was the first kind of solid character with a solid story behind him uh, I also did this series called stories from the ward which is actually closer to my heart but a little more on the abstract side so it did attract I wouldn't say attract but I, I did I was able to trade and like exchange with other cartoonists but it was a little more um, niche I think in terms of its interest okay. so either either people liked it or they you know or wasn't for them yeah but Longtail Kitty I think especially for the time that it was happening was pretty accessible audience is always a tricky word because Sometimes people are writing or creating with a certain audience in mind, and mm -hmm. sometimes people aren't. I mean, did you have any particular audience in mind when you were making yours? I didn't. I didn't. I To this day, because um, I write a lot of stories, actually, um, I, f I don't think about the audience immediately. One thing that has happened with Longtail Kitty is that it has been adapted into children's book formats. And... Um, I didn't realize like what an, what a change that would be for me because when I was making them as mini comics, the mini comic was about four by five, and I would hand print everything. I would screen print the covers, and wow. I mean it was a crafted product. Um, those so originally those sold to adults. You know my only and my audience was only adults. People would give it to their you know people would come and buy it for their 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 sweethearts, or they buy it for for another family member or a friend, just, just the, you know, they were often given as an exchange item. 
Uh, but then once it got picked up by a publisher, it was like, okay, now these are kids' books, and the people who are going to read this are going to be like five-year-olds, and we're only going to shelve them in this part of the bookstore. You know, and I say only because it is exclusive in a way that the adults who I used to sell to have no idea, had no idea where to, to find it afterwards. So um, that, I, I don't know, I kind of to this day I'm still sort of like rankled by that, by that change because in a way I feel like I let down my supporters from before. Like I did not give back to them in, in having changed the format. CBS Sunday morning show, they interviewed... Um, Jeff Kinney, who does the Diary of a Wimpy Kid series, mm -hmm. and they had a really interesting part of that conversation where he was talking about how he had never thought of his work being for kids. Mm. Like he, the whole time that he was making it, he always thought it was going to be for for adults, and then it was like a big s shock to him when when <laughs> Abrams said, "Oh, hey, this this is great, and this would yeah. be for kids." It kind of reminds me of what you're saying, yeah, like, a little bit, yeah. Like I mean, I the, I'd love I love that kids lead these titles. I mean, honestly, like I, if I get like a sketch of Longtail Kitty from a kid, it's like uh, it's like the best gift ever. You know, it's hands down. So I, it's not that I don't appreciate the new audience, but I wish I could also have the old audience. So you haven't interviewed Jenny yet. We haven't interviewed or, Jenny or, yet. or or Matt. Or Matt, no. Do you have any questions that you would like to ask? Or that's that that's that's what I'm thinking oh, of right good, now. Good, I'm good. like, what are what would I ask? Yeah, I, if you think of one, I would. I'll write it down right now. I kind of want to know, like, if there was a lot of censorship in this story, in How terms so? of like, because it's a fictionalized story, but based on real events. Like, how do you choose what you're gonna put in? Because I'm I, I'm guessing like a lot of it was visceral you know, for her when she was writing it. And so there were probably things that were important in terms of how they felt, but probably didn't make it into the actual story. Right. You know, I don't know, for the sake of clarity or other reasons, yeah. you know, to streamline it. But I, I'm curious about that process because I've never actually written anything autobiographical myself. Oh, really? Yeah, I kind of, I tend to stay away from, like, the journal format or... You know, diary comics I don't do very much of. Yeah. yeah. Would you do something like that, like a memoir type thing? Could you ever see yourself doing that, or is that just not? This is going to sound really pompous maybe, but maybe because I think I've had an interesting life. You know, yeah. I think I've, I have some things to, to share that are actually kind of in, animated, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, not right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's the kind of thing where you would get to a certain point and then you would... You would you'd think, oh yeah, maybe maybe now's the time. Right. Do I don't I don't know if it's because I kind I don't want to do the thing where I'm like, oh, I'm old and I've had all this experience, <laughs> so I'm gonna like you know bestow this upon you know others. It's I don't really want to leave a legacy, but um, I do I think I do have like just some personal tender. I think I'm struggling right now with deciding whether or not I want to share these sort of tender moments or interesting moments in my life with others or if it's satisfying enough for me just to have it for myself like that's it it's on a very personal level that's that's where i'm at with autobio the the opening scene is like an establishing shot of sunny coming off of an airplane she's a young 
girl who has been traveling by herself and she's arrived in Florida and her grandfather is at the airport to greet her. And it's very you can tell right away that they have a, a very close, loving relationship. But that there's something that's really bothering her. You know, so on the car ride she's she's got sort of a little distant in woeful expressions. And so from that little bit, um, Phil Falco had asked me to to do like color tests and and I wanted to do color tests too because um, previous to that project I'd colored Boxers and Saints by Jane Yang and uh, the drawing style is totally different. Not only that, the, the files are actually organized really differently. So like on a technical, from a technical standpoint, you know, there, there are just certain hurdles that I had to sort of like figure, you know, jump over and figure out like, okay, logistically, how much time is this going to take? Do I need to reformat stuff? I mean, there were a lot of just practical things to figure out in the beginning. Um, but Matt has sort of like he's his people are a little cartoony, but he really has like a a sense of realism in his art. Like at least the way he draws, I think he tries to capture gesture, you know, like movement. And um, his lines don't connect, you know, like Gene's lines close the way an animated character, you know, for like Disney or something, old school Disney would close, but. Um, Matt, mats are looser and a little more gesturally expressive, I think. And so um, it was a challenge, I think, to adjust to that just because it was a totally different style. Um, and I, you know, if somebody was to ask me what style I used, I would probably say painterly rather than uh, graphic, which was more what I did with jeans. You know, I wasn't sure like what color I would use uh, on a, I couldn't use the same color on a tree, for example, for every panel because if it was in the daytime, the tree would be one color. If it was in the nighttime, it would be another color. But not only that, like if the person's mood was like, like say sad, that tree might be toned a, a different shade. I don't I don't know how to describe it quite, but it, it's it's relative to the con to the context of the story that the colors respond to. Yeah. Know? How do you go about starting the process of like like a color palette for a book? So I start off with a pretty simple palette, like maybe 16 to 24 colors where I just like very roughly map it out on the drawing. But that always changes, like it'll it'll gravitate uh or it'll 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 kind of evolve, I think as as I'm adding layers and stuff. So like I said, if the mood is different, then, then the, the palette shifts. Um, and I end up using, especially with the paint, painting style, you end up using like an infinite number of colors. It makes the files huge, but you know, <laughs> it's part of the deal. <laughs> I tried painting by scene. Uh, it's hard to paint page. For me, it's hard to paint page by page. It's, I feel a little bit blind if I'm just like looking at one page and then turning it and going, "Oh, what's this next thing that's happening?" I like, I kind of want to see like the overall arc of that, of that chapter, and figure out what the mood is or what the conflict is, yeah. and respond to that. Yeah. How many books have you been the colorist? Not that many. Um, I would say this is probably my fourth one. Yeah, I would say that like a uh, relative to like other colors careers mine is very young like I I don't have the experience or really the technical know-how that a lot of other colorists do
did you know Matt and Jenny much? So Matt before? and Jenny, Jenny's kids like Long Tail Kitty. Oh. And they came to me at a convention and, um, you know, I signed their books and <laughs> she did not tell me for the longest time, you know, like years and years of like seeing her <laughs> that she was an author, you know, like this award-winning author. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing when you figure that out. <laughs> What would you say is the most difficult part of coloring a book? The most difficult part? Just getting things to look consistent from beginning to end. I'm always worried about, cause especially for a graphic novel, because it's just long. You know, it's like there's so many pages where this whole palette can change. Um, so I, I, if I can, I like to start in the middle of the book and then work to the end and then do the beginning. The beginning is the last one, last part that I do. Huh. And I, it's because I want it to look consistent. I want it to look as, as uh, yeah, uh, sort of um, together as possible. What is your favorite color? My favorite color? Okay. Yeah. I hated orange when I was a kid, but I'm weirdly attracted to it now. But like a, almost like a neon orange, like a, a carmine red or neon orange. I also really like yellow. Um, I can't help it. <laughs> Do you find yourself work, like working, working with in? those colors? Yeah. Mm, I, wear, I wear those colors okay. a lot. I don't necessarily work with them a lot. I work with blues and greens a lot more, yeah. um, weirdly. Yeah. But yeah, if I'm if I'm like a purchaser of products or if I'm shopping, <laughs> it's, it's those two colors. <laughs> Good to know. Matthew Holm is an illustrator. And hopefully my dog doesn't make too much noise in the background. An illustrator with a dog. Sighing her terrible sighs. A dog who sighs terrible sighs. <sighs> Will Matthew Holm's dog make too much noise in the background? Find out next time on The Yarn. Sometimes talking to somebody on the phone can be like a little bit nerve-wracking. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden I discovered that I'm like Can't sweating. And I'm like, why am I sweating? I'm talking to my friend on the phone. This shouldn't be happening. So that's, I don't know. Antagonizing yeah. experience. <laughs>